Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm Bob Hassan. I'm with my friend, Sean Bowles. Sean, who do we have on today? You know, I always love doing our show because we get to hear the most fascinating people and their stories about how God brings them into places that they would have never gotten to without God. That's one of our goals. And today we have Dr. Matthew R. Kutz, and he's married to his best friend of lifelong love, Angie. Together they have two grown sons and live in Perrysburg, Ohio. But he's the doctor of athletic training and a clinical professor at the program at Florida International University. But he also uh, is focused on a new program that he has called Contextual Intelligence Profile, which he developed and designed to assess the contextual intelligence behaviors of individuals and organizations. And to date, Matt's training programs and Contextual Intelligence Profile have been used by executives, managers, members, and staff of multinational and Fortune 500 companies, universities, professional associations, churches, governmental agencies, and NGOs in several countries. I mean, this guy is just absolutely phenomenal. And I think one of the things I'm going to ask him about is like, there's a lot of people who listen to our show who are coaches, life coaches, business coaches. And then there's a lot of people who are like looking for that impact in their life. And the fact that he uses doctoral degree and actually had, I believe, a God moment. We're going to find out on how he got this uh, program in the first place. I think it's going to be really fascinating. I think it's going to be fascinating also. Well, up next, Dr. Matt Coots. Bob, you and I are passionate about people in the marketplace being equipped to hear God's voice. And so we put together a book. Tell us about it. It's called Wired to Hear. And 99% of us are out in the marketplace. We're not in the professional vocational ministry. And this book is for you if you want to learn how to hear God in the marketplace. And it's very practical, but it's also very in-depth and spiritual with actionable steps. Great chapters about defining your process when you're trying to hear God's voice. And I just think with the expertise of my coaching and Bob's long-term career and advice giving, you're going to feel the both of us together, something synergized that's really beautiful. And it's just for you. Get wired to here at bullsministries.com. And you're also going to get a free teaching series only available if you buy it from us at bullsministries.com with business leaders, just like you who are sharing their process of hearing God's voice, how they are wired to hear. And it's going to so help you as Bob and I navigate these conversations. They're going to bring the book home into your everyday practice. Get your book today. Welcome back, Matt. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much. Well, we're we're geeking out on your contextual intelligence profile assessment. This is pretty amazing, but we get to hear the story. Before we go there, I want to talk all about this because it's so cool. Before we go there, how did you become the athletic director at Florida International University? Like, how did this happen? And take us on your journey, how you got involved in these spaces. Oh my goodness. So it's a long story. It's, it's, I'm an athletic trainer. So athletic trainer is a little bit different than the athletic director, but in the athletic training world, that's the sports medicine space. So they, yeah. we're the people who, you know, run out on the field when somebody gets injured and we do the injury evaluation and then, and then, you know, the rehab and return to play criteria and all that stuff. And, and it's, uh, it's been a, a great ride for me. And it started, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. I'm in my 28th year of being an athletic trainer. Wow. as my primary profession. And, and the interesting thing about that is I grew up a, a pastor's kid. So I grew up, you know, in, in the church. I grew up, you know, my dad was a very prophetic man and, and grew up at 
what we called the Ohio Prophetic Conferences back in the 80s and 90s. And, and just that was my life. So my whole life, I was going to be a, a pastor, a prophet. You know, I was going to be an international, global, apostolic, prophetic. Wow. I mean, that's that was my dreams. Prophetic. I, I, you'd be floored. I don't want to name drop, but I've got prophetic words from everybody who's ever put written a book. <laughs> I mean, awesome. I've got I've got a file folder that's literally phone book thick of all the prophetic words wow. uh, over my life, and so that was what I was going to do, right? So I'm in college; it's my sophomore year in college, and I'm and I started majoring in athletic training. Now, one of the things my dad made me do is he said, "You will not major in Bible studies, theology, or anything that you're going to be able to do something when you're done." You know, with college, you're going to have so I remember having a conversation with him my, my freshman or my sophomore year uh, from Anderson University, which is a little, uh, you know, Church of God school in Anderson, Indiana. And I asked and I asked, Dad, I want to change my major to biblical studies. And he's like, absolutely not. I forbid it. You can't wow. do it. You can minor in it. You can study that if you want. But you need to be able to have, you know, a real skill when you're done so you can have a job. Because one of the things that I've I've never been able to do anything else other than what I've done in, in the ministry or that or a factory. And I just don't want that for you. I'm not saying you can't go into ministry and you can't do ministry. But he began to teach me and train me then and along with other people that full time ministry doesn't have to be behind the pulpit. You know, only, you know, full time paid staff. And I tried that by Preacher. <laughs> Part of that long story in there that I was joking about, you know, is I actually was a pastor full time for about three years and I failed miserably as a pastor. Uh, <laughs> I always joke, you know, the Lord. Sorry to laugh at your pain. Pastor. Sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, the Lord delivered me from the pastor and got me into academics. But I got into that space because of because of that. So I had to pick something. So I picked something that sounded cool, that had the word athletic and sport in the title. So that's what I picked to major in. And I didn't even know athletic training was a profession at the time. I just I just found it because of the name and walked into class that 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 second year of school, walked into my first athletic training class. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I found my people, you know, and and from there, like I said, 28 years later, it's been a very, very good to me. And it's afforded me many opportunities that I normally didn't even would have known existed. I think it's so interesting that, you know, the talk about being a pastor and pastoring, I would imagine in your work, you got to be hands-on with athletes and people within the athletic facilities, and your pastoral gift just came alive because you had the ability to be with people in a situation where they were hurt or injured or trying to recover, and that's, that's some of the hardest times in an athlete's life. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's 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 when their identity is in crisis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's so much of, of who they are, especially at the elite level. And I've been I've been very blessed to be able to work with our Olympic teams. I've traveled internationally with Team USA to several different countries uh, with USA track and field, for example, and, and different teams like that. I've worked with some some bowl winning football teams and some very famous coaches that I again, I won't wow. name drop. But um, but I've been very fortunate to be able to do that. And you're exactly right there. When they're injured, they're vulnerable. They're hurting. They're in that space. And and being able to minister to them practically as well as spiritually right. it was a huge advantage and, and a huge uptick for me. I mean, a great moment of insight to even begin to recognize, you know, that I can do this outside of the traditional prayer line 
you know, at the prophetic conference. Kind right. Of, so yeah. Which well, are so and I would never underestimate the power that happens there too. But there's also some practical things that we can walk out. No, and we, that's what this show's all about. Is I mean, it's the thing of like, how is our faith impacting the world around us? And I think in the position you're in, there's probably very few trusted people when you're an elite athlete in your life that you'll take advice from, but they have to take advice from you because right. you're the one who sets if they can keep competing or not, or if, where they're going to go next. And so I'm sure there's a vulnerability in their, in their, those moments to where they're listening to you. Do you have a story that highlights like something that God did in one of those moments, even if it's not like a direct God story, is there like an indirect time where you knew like, this is why I'm here. This is why God put me here. Yeah. You know, there's, there's uh, certain stories come to mind. I remember one in particular, we had an athlete who, this was a bowl, this was a bowl season, you know? So mm -hmm. this, this was a, they were actually at the time we were undefeated. We were thinking that we were ranked in the top 25, you know, and, and this was before BCS. So this is just the coaches polls and all that, but we were, we were ranked and, and our starting linebacker sustains a concussion and mm -hmm. it's, it's my job to hold the helmet so he can't get it and sneak back in because this is what they do. They don't even like to tell you, you know, they're injured and whatnot. And so anyways, it's my job to hold the helmet. And he's just following me around, stalking me on the sideline the whole game. Give me my helmet back. I got to get in. Give me my helmet back. I got to get in. And and I'm just, you know, I can't do it. I'm going to lose my job if I let him go back in. Not only – and then compromise, obviously, his health on top of it. So that's not happening. And so we got in an argument, you know, back and forth. And, and you had to tell him, say, listen – this is not good for you to do this. And I'm going to stand my ground. And so that evolved. So that situation escalated and evolved and the game finished. We won all that. He ended up sitting out a few more games because of that. The long story of that is guess it, probably 15 years later, mm. this same individual shows up as a visitor in the church that I'm now pastoring in, Wow, you know, and uh, and he shows up there as the as the boyfriend of one of our longtime members, you know, wow. and and we immediately rec he immediately remembered he immediately recognized he ended up going on finishing uh, getting in his doctorate etc. He's now actually the superintendent of a very large public school system and all that and and we've actually had conversations about that at that moment and he's like you know who knows what would have happened if you'd have let me go back in. Because wow. concussions have all kinds of neurological, long-term yeah. neurological implications. And he's like, I don't take credit for it. He didn't give me credit for it. He obviously worked hard and, and worked very hard. But it's that moment where something devastating could have happened. And he recognized that. He says, to some degree, I owe where I'm at and what I'm doing to that encounter and you standing wow. your ground. Wow. You know? And now he's making the difference in the lives of literally thousands and thousands of kids. Wow, that's so cool. What do you think, Matt, that has led you to your contextual intelligence to this whole thing from athletic training? How did that happen? So that's another that's another great, great story because, you know, talking about performance. So one of the things that I really love is human performance. And I mean that across the wide spectrum of sport, athletic performance all the way to the corporate athlete, you know, those athletes who are performing in the workplace and needing to perform at their top. So I've always been very interested in that. And so when I went back and studied and went back to school and, and finished, you know, my graduate degrees and all those kinds of things, I studied leadership and, and how the global mindset is a big part of, of what I've studied. And 
What's interesting about that is I actually fell in love with that during those years of what I call, you know, my failed pastoral years, uh, where I begin to realize how important leadership actually is and how many people don't have that leadership capacity is to the degree that they should. So I dedicated my life to helping people do that. And I found a space outside outside of that. And, and the story goes like this is, is I am teaching a Sunday school class. I'm no longer a pastor. I, I resigned the pastor. I'm in a different state. I'm now living in, in just outside of Austin, Texas, teaching at a very large university uh, in, in that area. And um, and what's what's going on is I'm teaching a Sunday school class at the church that I'm attending just as a regular member. And I'm teaching a class on the Sons of Issachar. And I'm a big fan of, you know, what I call the Issacharian initiative. And that's knowing and discerning the times. And anyways, I'm teaching a class on that. And I'm talking about David and, and how David, you know, we know the story in First Chronicles. He's in Hebron. He's about to be ordained king. It's a major point of transition for Israel. God is ripping the kingdom away from Saul. He's giving it to David. The nation is going crazy. What's going on? A new government's coming in. All kinds of, you know, significant things happening. And I'm teaching that class. And you, if you read that story, the tribes come to David one at a time. And each of the tribe offers him something. We came with this, the, the, the armor bearers, the chariots. The, all the, they all had something different to offer. And I was teaching a class on the 12 things you need for successful transition and change. And in that list, the sons of Israel. Yeah, great. I want to hear that class. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and in that, the sons of Issachar show up with discernment, right? They show up with knowledge of the times and what Israel ought to do. And one of the students raised their hand and asked me the questions like, well, uh, you know, what what is that? What does that mean? What does that look like? And, and I said to them, you know, I would call it contextual intelligence. Wow. They understood the times. They knew what to do. And when I said that phrase, contextual intelligence, the whole class, this was an adult Sunday school class. They were just like, yeah, you know, it kind of just resonated. You, you get that thing when the Holy Spirit just resonated and just yeah. resonated. Now, the interesting thing about that, and this is the God factor in all this, is in the middle of that, while I'm teaching that class, I'm also happening to be polishing up my final uh, parts of my dissertation. Mm -hmm. And for my dissertation, I looked at what are the leadership behaviors that people use during times of transition and change, during times of turmoil, wow. you know? And uh, and I said the phrase and all of a sudden I was like, that's what I've been studying. That's my, so I actually wrote a paper from that. I took some of my findings from my dissertation, identified these 12 things that people do. And I didn't have a name for it, you know? Uh, what I had the 12 behaviors, but I didn't know I love what that. to call those 12 behaviors. And it was totally a Holy Spirit moment where he said, it's contextual intelligence. So I named the, the, the model and, and this become a book and a framework and all that stuff. These 12 behaviors of a contextually intelligent person, which is basically just what I believe is part of the Issacharian anointing. And how that translates into business and leadership and things like that. So I, so I wrote that first paper on that, got it published in a journal, which is, you know, which is funny because good information is often hiding in these academic places. And nobody knows where to get sure. it from. And um, so two or three years later now, I'm at in a different state, in a different university. I'm changing jobs. I'm sitting at my desk and I get a cold call from a corporate executive of a Fortune 25 company who a couple weeks before was at the Stanford University Man of the Year Award 
um, for giving the CEO of the year to their to their CEO. And again, if I said the company's name, it's, everybody's got their products all over in their house. Okay, it's a huge global global um, company. You know, at any rate, he um, he tells me, you know, I my our CEO, our, I mean the the MC of this event was introducing our CEO to win this award, and in his introduction. He mentioned the phrase, the reason why he's such a successful CEO is because he's contextually intelligent. Because I'd never heard that word before. I literally wrote it on my napkin and went back to the hotel room after the gala event and Googled contextual intelligence. And your article that you wrote was the first one that wow. came in. I read it. It was just the best thing I've ever read on leadership. And I've read everything there is on wow. leadership. And um, and so again, long story. Like I said, I think I mentioned it's a three beer story or something like that. <laughs> so I'm trying to make it short here for you. But uh, that turned into, hey, will you come to our corporate headquarters and brief my team on this concept of contextual intelligence that wow. that you wrote about? And so I did, and it turned, and that got me launched into this space because I'm here. I'm an athletic trainer and a you know a, a retired pastor. I mean, I can tape your ankle. I can give you some exercises for your knee, but here I'm, I'm at these this corporate headquarters of this company that is like super security, Tony Stark quality computers. I mean, the computer they asked me to use literally was a projection computer from a tabletop, just like Jarvis. From the movie. <laughs> and I don't even know how to use it. And she tells me this, this room that you're in is a one million dollar room and we have 16 of them all over the country because when we do our corporate board meetings it's a 3d hologram of other people all over the country wow. and like, oh my goodness this is crazy You're in the movies yeah I'm, I'm i'm in this zone this space that i have no business being in but except for god you know god gets me into that spot i'm briefing his team on this idea of contextual intelligence, it goes really. I mean, I was terrified again. It was it was embarrassed. I embarrassed myself at the beginning, but after I calmed down, and he even called me down. The director of their corporate training university raises. He goes. He goes, Mr. Coots. He's like, you're obviously very nervous right now. <laughs> and I was. He goes, but this is honestly the best stuff I've heard on leadership. And and he goes, and believe me, that's saying something because we hear everything. He said, Disney comes to us for their corporate training events. Wow. You know, he goes, so what I want you to do is take a break, go get some food, come back in 15 minutes, and let's just talk about how this is going to play out for us here. And they encouraged me to write the first book, which ended up winning a Leadership Book of the Year Award in 2013, I think it was, something like that, and end up end up, you know, they helped me develop the profile. And he actually walked me out to my car when the event was over. He says, you have no idea what you have, do you? Wow. I said, I guess not. He says, he goes, he goes, when you were about 20 minutes in, only thing I was thinking, he goes, if I had known this stuff uh, seven years ago, I wouldn't be divorced right now. Wow. You know, and for me, that's the first time I knew that I had something beyond just an academic idea. Here, this guy's talking, for all I know, a completely worldly man, recognizing that this this is actually something that can help his marriage and his relationships. And I was just thinking it was a leadership thing. And that, again, snowballed and they helped me. No, I think it's so interesting. I have to say this just because, Matt, uh, we've been talking, Bob and I have been trying to lead our audience in the conversation that. They're, the things that God's doing most are in the mainstream workplaces. Yeah. And so where God's showing up the most is, and, and I love that basically contextual intelligence profile is the sons of Issachar anointing, or it's the way to 
manifest or understand God's wisdom and, and the season we're in and what to do in the season we're in. And what does the world need right now more than anything else is we need discernment. We need intuition. We need to understand what God's doing or else you're going to hear what he's not doing from everybody else. So the fact that this is like emerge, I know it was before the pandemic, even back in 2013, you're talking about, but the fact that it's emerging now, you've been to so many companies, now it's tried and true, it's proven, and it's going, you know, in a whole nother level, it's it's being explored out there. I mean, this is incredible. Like, this is, to me, it's like, it's the proof text of the conversations Bob and I have behind the scenes mm-hmm. about this kind of thing emerging, because the Bible is the most relevant book in the world, right? Amen. But it's only relevant if you can give the relevancy to the people through interpretation, connection. And so I love that you're doing this so much. This is so meaningful. Yeah, it's it's been it's you know at first it's it's funny because you know when I first started getting into this and again growing up how I grew up I actually felt a little bit of guilt and shame over the fact that I was doing this uh, in a in a corporate secular arena mm-hmm. even though I was always the one about you know I called it covert Christianity and different things and and you know how, taking biblical principles and making them real in, in everyday life and just watching God work in supernatural ways other than you know growing the legs out and people getting out of wheelchairs and stuff which is great and I love that stuff and and I have a heart and a passion for that but it's every mm-hmm. bit a supernatural miracle yes. to walk into a, a Fortune 50, people don't get invited into Fortune 50 companies. I mean, the interesting thing about that same conversation as we're walking out to the car, um, I found out after the fact that people work their entire careers to get into the companies that were my first three clients. Right. I mean, my first 10 clients, like Fortune 500 companies with no marketing, no word of mouth, no website, nothing. It was just this guy's got something that they recognize that they needed. They didn't know what it was. It's true, like Daniel. It really is like a Daniel. I mean, that's what we need. That's what I think so much So much of this is about. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember praying, Lord, I, I know all these other people are talking about wanting to, you know, raise the dead and walk on water and get people out of wheelchairs. And, and, and I did, and I legitimately did too. But I remember thinking, isn't it just as miraculous the, the Daniels and the Nehemiahs and the Josephs who were who were who were serving pagan kings and making a difference in the world, you know, and 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 I I felt that my whole life that draw to be like I want to stand before kings, b- champions of business, and 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 be the Daniel, be the Nehemiah, be wow. the Esther, be wow. the Joseph, you know, and I'm I'm praying that guys when I'm 16 years old for this to happen. And all it, I tried the pastor, I tried all that stuff, and it just didn't work for me. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm accidentally or serendipitously in these spots where this guy tells me, hey, my division within the company is a 16 billion with a B dollar division. And well, it's just a group of seven of us. So I'm meeting with this group at this corporate headquarters. There's seven of them in the room. And they're responsible for $16 billion of revenue in the larger company, you know? And he's like, and they're asking me how they can extend and expand their influence. And I just tape ankles for a living. Matt, the Harvard Business Review, there is an article about what the, the fears of the, of the top 50 CEOs in the world. And, and the number one fear was the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you, from taping ankles 
to in the boardroom of a Fortune 50 company. How did that feel for you? It must have been surreal. I'm actually doing I'm actually doing a conference workshop in Chicago in in March on imposter syndrome. Oh, it's so and, fun! I want to hear it. I want to you know, sure. because I because that's what I mean. You're right. I mean, I definitely felt this. Like, who am I? And you yeah. have this you have this Elisha moment of you know like who am I, Lord? You know where you get into this place of you know I don't deserve to be here. Um, what have I done? And then, you know, everybody has critics, you know that. So people Mm -hmm. are like, well, we know you, you know, prophets not without honor in his own home. You know, that whole thing is like, you know, we know who you are, you know, we know all the troubles and the grief and and you're not that good, you know? And all I can say (laughs) is you're right. I'm not that good. I'm not that good at all. I mean, I'm make, I joke with people all the time. I'm just making this up as I go. And, but, but a real big part of that, at least for me, is understanding that, you know, it, it is, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, the answer, the solutions that we need other people. So you're right. It's not me. And if I believed or thought it was me or that I had anything of value to offer, you know, then I probably would feel incredibly insecure, like the weight of the world's on me, but I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to tell you what I tell you. And, and, and the good thing for me is this is a side hustle. So I have my day job, uh, that pays the bills, and I still love being a you know a university professor and the tr- all the stuff that comes with that. But um, but so I can tell you what I really think, uh, yeah. and not have to worry about paying the bills, so to speak. And so that helps quite a bit. But that imposter syndrome is a very real thing, and, and you, you struggle with that, and I struggle with that. Of Lord, you know why me? Why did why did am I in this place? Because I know. My wife knows, my kids know, you know, my my brothers and my pastors and the team of elders that I serve with, you know, they know that I'm just a knucklehead (laughs) who had a neat idea who the Lord was opening these doors for. Yeah, I would say a neat idea with a with a pretty heavy duty education and life yeah. experience. Yes. But I also say first Corinthians one where it talks about God, you know, Paul, I love how he says it. God didn't choose the wisest ones in the world, but he chose you to shame the wise. And it does make you feel like he even says the lowliest ones in the world. I'm like, that's that's the healing of imposter syndrome for Christians right there. It's like you shouldn't feel qualified. You shouldn't feel like you're the best. You shouldn't right. feel like you're the brightest. Right. You should just feel like God's hand is on you. And that's what's it's beautiful because his hands on you. But you did the work, which I think is really important for our audience to hear. That's too. Right. There's yeah. many people who are out there who are like, I'm waiting to be the Daniel. But Daniel and his brother studied everything. And they figured it all out. They figured out a lot of stuff, but then it was still God giving them divine intelligence. It says in Daniel 1. So I think it's so important what you're saying. I, I love your background. Tell us about how people can get involved with contextual intelligence profile and how could people reach you in this? Well, the best way is just probably through my website. I'm matthewcoots.com. I mean, is the best way. And again, the, the book's available Amazon, you know, publisher, and you can get it anywhere. So you got that, the profile, you know, there's a snapshot of the profile that's on the website as well. And so that's probably the best way to do it and and the easiest way. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. You're so humble. And I know behind these stories are some really funny stories. And I can tell that you, that you love people and you love life and you love God. And, And it just came through and we're just so honored to have you on the show. Oh, it's been my my honor. Well, well, up next, we have final thoughts with Sean and Bob. If you're enjoying the podcast, I want to encourage you to become one of our supporters 
And this is made available by generous donations by people just like you, or you can become a monthly partner and we wanna sow back into you. We give resources, we give partner-only content. So I'm gonna encourage you to go to bowlsministries.com and sign up now. Well, Bob, I love doing our final thoughts segment when we do it because I feel like we need to process sometimes the guest. And Matt is an amazing man and I love his background where he thought he was gonna be this international prophetic voice in his church movement. And God had a different destination for him, which I think God has a different destination for a lot of people who grew up around Christianity and church things. And he wants us to impact the world with world transformation. And I see that through his story. His story was amazing. I loved, you know, about halfway through the interview and he said, you know, I was, I can tape ankles or, you know, I can talk about contextual intelligence. And it, to me, the, the story of taking someone who's in his case, willing to do whatever God wants and and using his gifts and seeing where he ended up from uh, athletic training, which he said he still does. I, I can't yeah. imagine what his schedule's like. I can't either. Uh, to to you know booking events and speaking to Fortune 500 or 50 companies, it must be amazing for him to think about like how did I get here? Yeah, I I think it's just so wild to hear him be a voice on the level he's being a voice. And that's kind of what God gave me. He said he has a stack of prophetic words, right? That's like as yeah. big as the yellow page. That's kind of the prophetic trajectory that God led him to believe from the time he was 16. But again, like we get to a destination that we would have never planned for ourselves. And that's the beautiful thing about doing the shows that we get to put that on display, that there's people who are saying, I surrender all to you, Jesus. You can have my life. You can have my process. But we have the same desire. We want to have an impact for Jesus. We want to have an impact in our life. We want to create resources. We want to have good families and good marriages. And I love when you give all those processes to God, how how incredible he could bring you. I mean, we talk about this in our book, you know, Wired to Hear, how, how when you give him your process, he gets you somewhere you could have never gotten by on your own. And that's for sure Matt's story. He even yeah. talks about how he's going to be speaking at the imposter syndrome convention <laughs> coming up, which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think the one thing that I I really noticed about him is he's humble, but he put the work in. And oh yeah. And, and he had the call of God. He figured out where where God was taking him, but he really, really put the work in him mean, educationally, academically, intellectually. And then to 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 go ahead and and work as an athletic trainer and and work all all the ways that he did, whether or not he had passion, I'm not sure. It seems like he's a very passionate guy and that whatever he throws himself into. But what struck me in this interview was the amount of work that he put in and how he's, you know, really surprised where he ended up. It also struck me how he tried on the pastor hat at one point and for a couple of years and realized that's just not me. And I think that's okay as part of our discovery process to, you know, let's sort of get an image in our head of if I just did this, then I'd be happy. If I did this, then I'd feel like fulfilled in my call of God. And it's like, I couldn't imagine if you, Bob Hassan, decided to be a pastor for a couple of years, I know it wouldn't last more than a year or two. Not because you wouldn't be a good pastor, because you're so pastoral, but because you're so made for what you're doing. You're so made to be a voice, to be a connector, to be like just to be a coach. I know you don't like that word, but consultant, you know, to be someone who helps us to go further in life. And I just think you do it through your like your book shortcuts is right behind you like your books and your materials and these interviews and everything else you're doing. But it's interesting how sometimes we get an image and we have to sometimes dispel those images or get rid of them by trying them. And I love that he did that and it didn't, it didn't last long, but yeah. then, you know, he went right back into this, which is awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, my story, uh, you know, early in, 
as a believer and as in business, people would always ask me, why aren't you a pastor? Are you going to be a pastor? Is your goal to be a pastor? And I, you know, being young, I was like, no, my goal is to build a business and yeah. and to be, and to have influence in ways that, you know, I, that I do. So it's interesting that he tried it, you know, he grew up as a pastor's kid and he tried it being part of the family business, but then the Lord, you know, released him into these things that he's doing now where he's having such tremendous impact. And that's the mystery of God. We, we just were pleasantly surprised if, if, if we're willing to shift and adjust and we're willing to learn, or as he said, unlearn things and let God yeah. take us on this journey. When I think that God, I, I even gave a word about this on my YouTube channel, that there's a pivot coming and God's reordering people's steps and God's taking people from one career path or one church or one background or one series of relationships or one city or one, whatever it is, he's moving a lot of people because globally he's, he's bringing us into a divine setup to be exactly where we need to be, to have the biggest yeah. impact together in the world. I believe there is a great big worldwide move of God coming. I think it's going to affect people in the marketplace in one of the most beautiful ways that's ever happened in world history. And so I think it's important that we are humble and that we do try things and that we do discover and that we do listen to that instinct, that intuition, that gut check from God and make those choices, be obedient to those things. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you're not watching us on YouTube, we do release clips every week and we're going to start releasing the podcast there as well as CBN News. So if you're listening to this on audio and you're thinking, I'd like to watch them, well, come to YouTube and we're going to be releasing these episodes soon. Also, make sure that you become a partner of our ministry, BowlsMinistries.com. We put together some incredible media and materials for you. As you become a partner, we want to sew back into your life. So make sure to join today and any amount that you give will, will create a partnership relationship between our ministry and you. And this is how we make these shows is through generous donations through people just like you. It is tax deductible. So you will get a tax deductible receipt as well. But we so love doing our journey with our partners. But thanks for being a listener or a watcher. And we'll see you next time. For those of us who wonder what God has designed us for, do you have any suggestions for discerning God's will in our profession? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. That's a great question. So I started a business with a friend of mine who was a Christian out of our house. Mm. And it was it was directly mm. related to that conviction that God gave me. When people looked at my track record of being insanely profitable with my Holy Ghost model, made so much money, they will say, yeah. I love that the favorite thread that is coming through just as far as like, you know, being filled with opportunities that you didn't create yourself, that you just walked with God. 